Welcome to the Gideon's Church Speaker Program, where our mission is to help develop more and better speakers. Whether you've been speaking for decades or just thinking about getting qualified, you will find valuable tips, lessons, and inspiration here. This is Sean Graver from the Tacoma Northwest Camp in Tacoma, Washington, and now here is this week's episode. Our guest today has been a Gideon for about 34 years now. He served as the state chaplain for the Pacific Northwest State Association for nearly two years and is currently the camp president of the Kent Des Moines Camp in South King County, Washington. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to Paul Hansen. Hello, Paul. Hello. Hello, Sean. Well, Paul, tell us, what, what motivated you to become a church ministry speaker in the first place? I suppose it was because uh, I had rejoined the Gideons after a time of being not a member, and, or at least a member in, um, in reserve. But uh, I, I decided that uh, the Lord wanted me to do this, and to, as long as you're going to be a Gideon, uh, which the work that we do uh, is supposed to spread the Word of God throughout the world, and that means not only people reading a scripture that we give to them, but also personal witnessing, and, and I thought that would be a great way to continue on with my life. Well, now that you've been doing this for a while... What does the preparation process that you go through look like before a church presentation? One time I made up a general outline for the various aspects of the Gideon presentation. So I, first of all, I start looking for, for testimonies that are helpful to give people who hear them enthusiasm about what the Gideon work is like in terms of people coming to Christ. Then I uh, pray a lot about it. Usually I'm only given no more than 10 minutes. And so I have to really pare down the things I'm going to talk about and decide what would be most fitting for the particular congregation I'm in. So I just try to fill in that outline with uh, things that I think would be important, and I trust the Holy Spirit to, to guide me. And I think it does it does pretty well. So it's it's not a complicated process. It just takes time to do it and prayer and and sometimes I'll be frank about it. I sometimes I pick out a copies of most of the presentation that I've the outlines and the information on, and somebody and I file those away. And sometimes I rely on one of those to redo it and to make it something that I, I would like to share. And when you research testimonies, how do you choose? Do you have a criteria that you go by? Well, for well, number one is I think of testimonies that really hit me and hit my soul in the, in, the, in the stomach. By that I mean that I'm really enthusiastic about them. For some reason, it's hard to explain how I how I get that interest and how the the Holy Spirit touches my heart. But it's uh, so I start with those. And of course, when um, you're only given five to ten minutes, you can't use more than maybe one or two testimonies because you got other other stuff to share too. But oh, sometimes. Uh, if it's something that I think there's going to be a lot of young people in the church, I'll pick a testimony that would be appropriate for that kind of an audience. It's really a hard job to explain how, except just what I've said. I uh, depend upon the Holy Spirit to provide me the way to go. Well, I think that's excellent advice, and I think if we if we rely on the Holy Spirit to give us that inspiration, I think we will pick the right ones that uh, He intends us to use for that particular group. This is a spirit-led ministry, and and if we don't depend upon the Holy Spirit to guide us and to pick things that are pleasing to Him and things that we know that He can use, maybe we don't know that ahead of time. It just makes sense to do it that way. Absolutely. So, Paul, when you're heading up to the podium to speak, what do you bring with you? 
First of all, I'll bring my outline, my presentation, and i probably bring a copy of the PWT in my, in my hands to use this to show what we do looks like. And then uh, a copy of the bulletin insert that we've provided for the church to use that time. And that's it. And I just start talking. I like to start out with a uh, attention getter. I was trying to say something that would catch the people uh, off guard. And like, uh, here's one that I used that came back from well, several years ago. They're all dead. <laughs> They're talking about a young man that was uh, um, decided not to go drinking with his buddies and instead stayed in a hotel room and started reading the scripture until about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, and someone knocked on the door, and here it was a state patrol. And he showed a picture to this Tom Gray, I think it was. Do you know these guys? Yeah, they're my buddies. Well, they were. They're all dead. Wow. It, it catches people off guard, and it, it's not a guarantee, but it's a good indi- good thing to use and to try to keep people's attention during the during the talk. So, so you've learned that getting the attention of the congregation in those first few seconds is essential, and getting a bit of a provocative opening like that gets their attention, and they're going to tune in because they want to hear the rest of that story. That's right. That's right. And also, I, I think in my own way, I won't personally do it. I try to, and I think that I don't plan to do this, but that's just a natural way I talk. There's a lot of enthusiasm in my in my presentation, so that it's not me that they're looking at, but maybe maybe they think they are, but uh, I just want to back that way so that I keep their attention and make it interesting to listen to. I'm going to guess that if you're able to bring a lot of enthusiasm up there to the platform, to the to the podium that you probably are not relying heavily on notes. You mentioned an outline, so do you use mainly just a very high-level outline, or do you have detailed notes? That's one thing I'm trying to work on. I, I would just as soon be able to make their presentation without referring to any notes, but I haven't gotten there yet. I try to make the notes uh, in a way that I can glance at the piece of paper and uh, the thought that I'm hoping to remember is right there for me, and I can I can refer to it. But sometimes I, I confess I'm pretty close to my notes, and uh, so it's it's not something that I am pleased with. But I, I'm up there talking, so I better say something that's intelligent. But it sounds like when you start with your opening of your presentation, you know what you're going to say those very first words. That's right. So you don't have to walk up and put paper down and refer to the notes for the first thing you say. You you know walking up, you're going to say, they're all dead. You've got an opening like that. I think that gives you a little bit of leeway to then refer to an outline once you've got that engagement. Do you find that, that you still keep the, uh, you know, that you'll still see people's eyes engaged uh, even when you do well, have to refer? Well, after I'm through that, present, that initial presentation, like inter- an introduction, it varies. I mean, sometimes uh, I will go that way of uh, referring to my notes too closely, and sometimes I won't. It depends upon. <laughs> it depends as to how prepared I am. I guess sometimes I'm not as well prepared as I should be. <laughs> when you're there with the congregation, either beforehand, afterwards, or during the presentation, what do you do to connect with them on, on a more personal level? Just try to be friendly and look around. Uh, I learned in public speaking a long time ago that if, if you better be glancing around at the population and getting eye contact with various people and sitting in various parts of the audience so that they're in some, maybe in their own way that they're responding to what I'm saying instead of us having their uh, bowing their heads down in the lap or something and 
so I'm, I'm trying to keep in eye contact with people so that so I'm not just a statue if they're talking to my basing it upon the piece of paper I've got there. Tell me about maybe an interesting or unique approach you bring to the presentation. You, you shared with me about the, the pretty powerful opening. Are there any other different approaches that you bring? One thing, this was uh, referencing the words that were in a testimony that referred to a man that had accepted Christ after a while. Come into a hotel room they'd rented and was offended that uh, there was a Gideon Bible on the desk. And he picked it up and threw it across the room. And he said, God, I hate you. And that's what I did. I said that. And then I said, of course, this is a quotation from somebody else. <laughs> and But that got, in a situation like that, when a speaker representing the Gideons or any kind of a Christian ministry says that to start with before people are shocked. I didn't, don't say it for the shock attitude, but uh, just for the uh, get their attention, and that's that's what I did. And uh, I don't use that approach very often. I try to use something a little bit more sanitary in terms of uh, my Christian witness and upon who God is. And I don't, uh, I almost felt like I was being blasphemous. That's that's what I did. I, I figure that the Lord, when we make things like that, the Lord understands what we're doing and he's gracious. Well, sometimes those uh, type of provocative statements are just what is needed to really to get the attention because you've got an enthusiastic, powerful message to deliver, but people have to be engaged. They, they have to pay attention. And uh-huh. that's right. it. Now, one of the things that I know a lot of speakers uh, sometimes have challenges with is They'll return back to the same church they were a year ago, but they may not really have a new message. They may not have uh, something that's revised, but how do you improve or evolve the presentation so that the same church wouldn't hear the exact same message that you gave the year before? Well, every time I speak at the church, I can't say every time, but my it's my plan. After the service, to write, take a copy of my notes, and right on there, I gave this one at this so-and-so church uh, two two years ago. And so, to uh, first of all, to try to avoid the chance that I might use the same information all over again. Uh, for here's here's one, and in one case, I had a pastor recently check me on this, and and uh, I got a permission to speak in the church. And a year before, or a couple of years before, I'd used a DVD from the Gideons, or a video presentation. He asked me what I was going to do with that, and he said to me, came back, called back, and said, you did that before, I want you to do something different. And so <laughs> he had gone online and looked up the Gideons International, uh, but he was going to find out what the Gideons had to offer in terms of uh, information about their ministry. And he, he discovered that the DVD I was going to use was a set, was one that uh, I'd already done. So he he liked that. He said I would like to have you do this do this one instead, <laughs> which I did. And you know you have to play you have to agree with them and be bendable in terms of your own intentions. Now, when it comes to the part of the presentation where we're making a call to action and asking the the people in that congregation to to be part of this to have, to support us either in prayer, financially or with membership, what does your call to action sound like? 
Well, sometimes I've said, with the results like these I'm explaining to you, it gives me no compunction to ask Christian people to contribute to help us buy Bibles. In other words, I'm, I'm identifying them as believers, identifying them as Christian people, and I'm identifying them as a people who are, should be willing to help us pay for this. And, uh, and that, I found that to be fairly effective. Of course, if people are there who don't want to pay anything, of course, I can't make them pay anything. So, and uh, also, I think I've used uh, situations like uh, pulling out a copy of the bulletin insert and, and hold it up to them and say, I hope you're interested and willing to give. And you can use this document as a way down here to, to uh, write a check for the Gideons. And if you're writing it in someone's memory, or for congratulating somebody on a job well done for some reason, you can send you can fill this out and send them a copy copy of it, and, uh, and they're interested in knowing that uh, you're contributing five Bibles in their memory, or five Bibles in uh, for someone having graduated from college with a doctor's degree or something like that. Right. So you're referring them right to something tangible that they have in their hand that they they've already gotten their. Uh, insert so that that just that yeah. leads them right there to to pull that out and to take action with that. Right, I mean that's the purpose for that thing. You know, I, I don't know if they're used as much as they should be, but um, anyway, that's what they're used. That's that's who we have, and so uh, it's it's helpful to use that. And uh, you know, we we get some response for those things, and not nearly what I'd like. But you know, when you're if you're given only three or four or five minutes to say, to deliver the message, and you have to determine ahead of time what's the most important thing to share, what's, well, can I prepare the self so I can take a minimum time at it, and, uh, and still come out smelling like a rose. <laughs> and that's hard to do. Yeah. We, have a, we have a brother in our form, my former church who, if Dale could take a church where the minimum time allowed was maximum, I mean, it was three or four minutes, he was a master at it, and he would do great. In the case where the pastor just wants you to go ahead and ask for an offering, you know, oftentimes people will use the Bible or the bulletin insert, and then oftentimes it's up to us to go to the back uh, afterwards and, and collect that ourselves. How do you prefer to handle that? Do you, what manner do you like to collect that offering? Actually, I do do it the way the pastor prefers, or what the tradition of the church is. Some churches say they'll write a check. Some churches say we don't want any offering taken at all. And they say that sometimes you get a check from the church in the mail afterwards. One time I went to a church near a town where I was living, and the pastor said, I don't want any offering taken. I just want to hear the message. And so I said, okay. I said, that's the way it is. I was disappointed, of course, but that's what we did. And I don't remember if we ever got a uh, offering from them in the mail afterwards. It's important for me to, for us to say that, you know, a couple of years ago, we spent about $100 million to buy scriptures to distribute to the world. And a lot of those scriptures went to countries where maybe we call them third world countries. And they can't afford to buy, the Gideons that are in that country can't afford, don't have the money to be able to provide scriptures for their own people. 
that live there. And so we, in the United States and other countries, we are helping to, to provide those scriptures. And we, would, we, we need help with that. That's a good thing to say. And Paul, what do you think we can do better at the camp level to prepare our speakers to be most effective? I suppose more speaker training, and uh, of course, that's what this is meant. This is meant for what we're doing right here. Well, if you could give if you could give one piece of advice to other speakers, what would that be? Just thank the Lord you've got the opportunity to share what's important, what's really important, and trust the Holy Spirit to guide you as you prepare and as you present the message, because this is this is God's work, not our work. We are just His servants. We're, as one guy said. We're the errand boys of God. That means that there's a real responsibility in our lives, in our hearts, to be able to do a job that's pleasing to Him. And sometimes uh, the amount of money you get from the church is, is not important as much as it is doing a good job and, and, and trusting the Lord to use what you say as a means by which these people are encouraged. Well, you know, Paul, I think you really nailed it there because truly the, the main purpose of us speaking in the church is to build up that relationship. Uh, yes. Anything else that yes, comes from is. that, yeah, anything else that comes from it is secondary, but number one is the relationship. That's right. That's what we're trying to develop, too. Well, Paul, you've given us some great advice. You've shared some wonderful insight and some great inspiration. I thank you so much for your time. It's been wonderful talking with you. Okay. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for listening to the Gideon's Church Speaker Program. We hope you found it informative and inspirational. If you or someone you know would be a great guest on an upcoming episode, send me an email at sean.graver at gmail.com. That's S-E-A-N dot G-R-A-V-E-R at gmail.com or visit our website at www.tgispeaker.com and use the password TGI for access. Proverbs 9.9 says, Instruct the wise, and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. See you next time.